This is Still Standing with Michael Caputo, episode 28. Coming up on today's show, Robert Mueller's birthday present, widespread destruction, and mailbag today. All that and more on the way here on Still Standing. No talking points, no spin. It's politics you can't put down. This is Still Standing with Michael Caputo. You're listening to Still Standing again. Thanks a lot for tuning in. This is my weekly podcast, which you can find at stillstandingpodcast.com. There's some video there as well, some blogging when I get to it. and uh, But always, every week, about 40 minutes of audio for my podcast, which you can actually find at, uh, you know, Stitcher, iTunes, all the usual suspects. But if you go to stillstandingpodcast.com, you can actually sign up for updates which I really and truly uh, appreciate because it gives me an idea as to how many people are actually listening. Of course, I count the listens, but if I have an idea as to how many people are looking for uh, notifications uh, that my podcast is available, it gives me a little bit more of an idea how many people are in the audience. But I'll tell you, uh, this last week has been interesting to say the least. And when I say interesting, I say, well, <laughs> I don't think I've ever have ever had a week like this in my life. You know, with the with the news that the Mueller final report on the special office of special counsel investigation into Russian collusion, when that was filed with the with the uh, the attorney general's office on Friday, everything just seemed to change. It was wild, wild. You know, I've been in this jackpot as a witness in the bogus Russia investigations for two years now. It all started in March of 2017 when the House Intelligence Committee Democrats read my name out and my wife's name out, especially Representative Jackie Smear, the Democrat of California. They read my name out, my wife's name out, and everything changed for us accusing me of being Vladimir Putin's image maker, idiots, Intim, you know, intimating that my wife somehow was working against the, uh, the United States of America the one month after she had become a citizen, idiots. But of course, my life was turned upside down. I wasn't alone. I was out there with a lot of other Trump associates, which I'll get to in a minute. But honestly, um, you know, Friday was unique because it was it was my birthday. I was planning a birthday party for Saturday night, and suddenly the Mueller report comes in. And I thought to myself, and I was told by many, that that had to be the best birthday present I've ever gotten in my life. And it's not even one that I can see for a couple of weeks. It wasn't clear whether it was bad for the president or good for the president, but we knew there were no more indictments. So with no indictments... Anybody caught up as a witness in this investigation could breathe a sigh of relief. Let me tell you, I was a witness the entire time. No one ever told me, in fact, they actually told me over and over again that I was no more than a mere witness. I wasn't a subject of the investigation. 
not a target of the investigation, only a witness. In fact, the uh, Mueller team never even pulled me into the grand jury, and they were pulling everybody into the grand jury. So I was always in the, cr- in the clear criminally, but it really didn't matter because as long as the Mueller operation had its doors open, anyone who had been interviewed, whether you're a witness, a subject, or a target, anyone who they were interested in was in peril because this was a vengeful crew. They were getting desperate. They couldn't find any Russian collusion. So they were looking for opportunities to turn anybody, anybody, anybody at all into some kind of a witness that would be able to give them more information that might implicate the president. Doesn't mean you did anything wrong. If They would create something like, for example, a perjury trap, ask you a question that, you, that they knew the answer to and you didn't. If you asked it wrong and you, they could credibly claim that you were lying to them, they would charge you with a, uh, a, a 1001 violation, they called it, lying to a FBI agent. And typically I had, you know, anyone who was interviewed had two FBI agents at least in the room at one time. You know, you had attorneys in there prosecutors and investigators in there, and you had the FBI agents, which made it a 1001 violation. Now, I went through my own perjury trap and was able to get through it with the help of my attorney, Dennis Vaco from Lippus Mathis, former New York State Attorney General, former U.S. Attorney from the Western District of New York. And why, as a witness, why, you ask me as a witness, did I hire such a high-priced attorney who was clearly there as a specialist, I'll tell you why. Uh, you get called into the Mueller investigation, even to just empty the ashtrays. You better not go with your brother-in-law, the real estate attorney, or your divorce attorney, or your pal from college who got a law degree but hadn't practiced in a while. You'll get hung. When I say hung, I mean hung. And I went in there with, with, uh, with Dennis Vaco. I knew that I was well-guarded, well-protected. And uh, thank God I did because he steered me clear of my own perjury trap in my uh, interrogation with the uh, Mueller team. But that was May 2nd of 2018, and for several months I didn't hear a thing. And, you know, you never, you know, suddenly my friend Roger Stone was arrested. And Roger, of course, I believe he's innocent, and I believe if he's got a well-funded legal defense, um, then he'll win. I think he'll actually beat a lot, if not all, of these charges, and I hope the president uh, eventually pardons him because he's not charged with anything except for bullshit that was laid out to trip him up uh, due to this bogus Russia collusion investigation. The fact is, the Mueller report found, according to Attorney General Barr, that there is no evidence that any Trump associates uh, colluded with or conspired with or cooperated with the Russian government in any way. There is no collusion. Zero. Zip. Nada. Nichivo. None. Nothing. So if there's no Russian collusion, all the lines that they put out to trip up Roger Stone, they were put out there under false pretenses. Well, I hope the president pardons him. He should pardon George Papadopoulos and General Flynn as well. He should pardon Paul Manafort. I think that's a stickier wicket because Paul actually committed some financial crimes that had nothing to do with the president. But he should pardon Roger Stone, George Papadopoulos, and and uh, General Flynn immediately, now, right away. 
Don't even wait. Don't wait till your presidency's over. Don't wait. Roger Stone's being absolutely dragged through, you know, broken glass and razor blades right now. And the president should pardon him immediately. When the report came in, it was interesting. I mean, I had been planning my party. I decided to invite a few more people. We went to a local bar called The Globe, a hotel from the 19th century here in our little village outside of Buffalo. And we, I just sat there and, you know, was hoping people would come in and buy me drinks. That's my version of a birthday party nowadays now that all of my family's resources are gone, that my business is almost closed, we've lost every saved dime that we had. Just trying to steer clear of the bogus Russia collusion investigations, the House, the Senate, Mueller. But what a fun time we had on Saturday night when everybody came out. It was just a blast. I really had a great time. I had my favorite dish, you know, rock and roll ribs, baby, at the Globe. Best ribs in the area. And uh, then afterwards, sat drinking uh, old fashions with my friends. I love a good old fashioned. And uh, and one by one, they came by. We sat around drinking. We had about 30, 35 people. And everybody realized how important it was. And each one said, happy birthday and happy end of Muller Day. I don't, I got to tell you, the Muller thing really was what I was celebrating. It wasn't my birthday. I'm 57 years old. I'm too old to like my birthday anymore. <laughs> one of my friends, a great guy, Paul Ruerda. He, he has one of the best T-shirt and you know imprint embroidery uh, logo shops in the business in Buffalo. It's called uh, Park Avenue Imprints. He came with a T-shirt for me, and it said, it had a picture of Mueller on it, and it said, I survived the Mueller investigation, and all I got was this lousy T-shirt. <laughs> I put that picture up on Twitter. I got so much crap for it, but a lot of applause as well. It was a great T-shirt. I felt great that day. What a wonderful day. We stayed, oh, until 11 o'clock, and that's a long time. That's a late night for a guy like me nowadays. If I'm not at a Grateful Dead show, I'm in bed by 9, eh, 9.30. And I certainly don't drink like I did that night. I haven't had that many drinks since Mueller came to be, probably before. I had no reason to celebrate and eventually no money to buy the drinks. That's all part of it, you know. They want to drive you into the poorhouse because they think if they dry up all of your savings, all of your money, if they threaten you with prosecution like they threatened Jerome Corsi and others, that you'll cave in and you'll lie. You'll tell them whatever they want to hear to get another person jammed up so that they let you go. I'm convinced they tried to do that with me. They did that with others, and I went through that fire. It was like walking through a minefield with my lawyer, Dennis Vaco on the other end of the minefield saying, one step to the right, two steps forward, stop, stop, to the right, one step, two steps, stop, left, two steps. I mean, it was like what getting me through this maze. He got me through, though. And when they closed the Mueller investigation, I guess everything changed. Until Sunday night. Sunday night. Uh, when uh, Attorney General Barr put out his four-page summary basically stating that the Mueller investigation came up empty. I, of course, the celebrations began again. I started, uh, you know, high-fiving my friends on the telephone. And then at 9.02 on Sunday night, I got another death threat. Yep, 
I get them pretty regular. Just by the way, like everybody does, in uh, who are wrapped up in this, even as witnesses, we get threatened all the time. I'm going to talk about that kind of stuff on the next uh, on the next uh, segment here today's uh, still standing episode. Well, before we go on the break here, I got to go uh, get the bills paid. I want to thank uh, the patrons who actually help us out a lot by donating at patreon.com to the podcast still standing. Greg Mumbach and Mark Barry, thanks a lot for joining Mark. I've known you a lot of years and I I really appreciate you standing up for me. Brian Pizdurski, Daniel Markey, Darcy Swenson, George Noonan, Jack Bromwich, Jordan Gostomsky, Patty Freeling, Samantha Lynn, Sonia Carlin, every one of them I consider executive producers, Stephen Flaminio, Susan Harvey, Susan Stevens, Thomas Fulton, Thomas, thanks for donating to our GoFundMe, John Seifert, and of course, Michael, Julie, and Rachel, all, all uh, our executive producers, all are helping us at patreon.com, looking for still standing with Michael Caputo at patreon.com. I'll be right back after these messages. Don't go away. Still standing. Please remain standing. We'll be right back. Hi, welcome back to Still Standing. I'm Michael Caputo. Thanks a lot for listening in. Our audio is a little different because we moved offices and we're trying to set up where I'm going to be doing this. Got a little bit of a makeshift studio here with some acoustic tiles around me, but still, it's just sitting at my desk doing my podcast. So we'll be improving the audio as we get set up in the new office. Had to uh, had to quit the old office. We couldn't afford the rent anymore. We're in a much smaller one. We lost a lot of employees during this two-year period. It was really rough on me. It was rough on a lot of people. A lot of people. This bogus Russia investigation was tough on the president, tough on the vice president, tough on the president's families, tough on the president's friends, tough on the president's staff, tough on a lot of people. A lot of people that had no business being sucked into it at all. If you believe Attorney General William Barr, the Office of Special Counsel reported March 22nd that investigators found no evidence that that you know the Trump for President campaign staff conspired or even coordinated with Russia during the campaign. And as a former Trump aide myself and a witness to nothing caught up in the investigations for two years, that was a vindication, complete and total vindication. Everyone who called me a traitor, I proved you wrong. In fact, Bob Mueller proved you wrong, and I was elated. But Attorney General Barr, uh, I guess it was March 24th that he said that, not the 22nd. He angered a man with his memo uh, summarizing uh, the report. He angered a man in nearby Buffalo, New York, or about 25 minutes away from me. Angered him so much that the man threatened my life uh, just a few hours after Attorney General Barr made his, uh, his summary available. He threatened my life a few hours later on Facebook, and I filed criminal charges against him Tuesday. That's right. I spent the day in the 
you know, after the Mueller investigation, completely vindicated, filing criminal charges against a guy who threatened my life, even so. And for a Trump, you know, a Trump associate, though, someone trapped in this whole Russia collusion matrix, this is the norm, not the exception. This was the 58th threat of violence I received since the Russia collusion hoax began just two years ago. Most of the perpetrators were careful to cloak their identities. Some people didn't, and each one of them got hit with criminal charges by me. I know many investigation witnesses like myself, innocent, just there to be witnesses. They live the same nightmare. Unfortunately, I guess it's not going to stop anytime soon, despite the end of the Mueller investigation and the complete vindication of me and everyone else. A criminal psychologist who has been helping me and my family through this period told me that we've entered what he called the danger zone. This is the zone when the mentally ill who have made Russia collusion the center of their lives will become unhinged. Some are going to attack. Remember Hodgkinson, the one who shot down the, con- shot down the congressman on the softball diamond in Alexandria, Virginia. He was only known for his barbecue before that. So I've had many death threats. I know everybody that I've talked to whose names are you know, among the investigated, investigators, uh, I mean, among the investigated, among the witnesses. They've lived the same thing. They fear that they're going to be under attack. But that's the life we've lived for two years. All these families, what, probably 50 of them, my wife, my young daughters, and me. You know, I had a tooth knocked out by Antifa at the president's inauguration. After a televised congressional hearing where my wife was mentioned, a man made a credible threat to me via cell phone that he was going to burn down my house with my children inside. As a result, my office and my home are wrapped tightly in security measures, cameras around, everything around. I've installed shotgun stations in my home, and I carry a concealed weapon wherever it's legal. You know, this whole remarkable vitriol, it impacts everyone. My teenager was really bothered by students and teachers alike. Parents of my toddler's friends shied away from us. <coughs> Somehow they wouldn't get the, uh, the birthday party invitations. My wife carried all of us on her shoulders, exponentially stronger than me, like most women are for their husbands. She was my rock. You know, to deal with my anger, I turned to my church, We live across the street from our Roman Catholic parish, just 39 steps away from the holy water, I always say. 39 steps away from the holy water. (laughs) We're so close that the the bells, (coughs) the church bells, they mark every moment of our day. We wake up to the pealing of the bells. We pause several times a day to hear the beautiful songs ring out. It's a real pleasure. It's a... Tiny little village kind of pleasure. My parish priest regularly rebuilt me in these two years in counseling sessions. He always gave me remarkable and uh, simple advice. He said once, it's okay to pray that they fail, Michael. It's okay 
to pray that they fail. Think about that. I found that profound. I always thought praying was for the positive. For praying was for the good. And my priest said, if they're evil, then you are praying for good if you're praying for them to fail. And he told me he thought that what they were doing to my family was evil. And it made me realize how blessed our family really was. And so I prayed and prayed uh, for their failure. And in that prayer, I found peace and and even I even found strength. Much of the impact on our family really, though, is beyond the emotional and the, and the safety impacts. It's material. Now, I lost most of my clients in my public relations business. I lost my staff. I closed offices. I nearly lost our home. I drained my girls' college fund. We struggled to pay even the smallest bills. And none of that is really new to my OT, original Trump friends, the OT folks who were caught up in this mess, like J.D. Gordon comes to mind. He's a retired U.S. Navy commander, and he was interviewed multiple times by several investigations. His legal costs were high, and his business, communications business, truly suffered. But above all, he missed out on a senior-level appointment to the Trump administrations, and that's really where he lost. He was a surefire pick for a senior role in the national security team. He was cut off from even working in the administration. And that, by the way, was a great loss for our nation. He, was a great, he is a great man. And I hope the president realizes that we need J.D. Gordon in the Trump administration and brings him in for the final six years. Of course, Carter Page. <laughs> I, I didn't know what to think of Carter Page at first, but I've grown to really like him a lot. I really do. He's brilliant, you know, with that bucket hat and his ubiquitous smile and his sunny disposition. And Carter was destroyed. Destroyed. His oil and gas consulting business just dwindled down to nothing. And his legal costs, you know, were, went up there with everybody else's, even though he did a lot of lawyering himself. It just sucked every moment of his time. Reporters, investigators, and well-placed assholes ripped him to shreds. They ripped Carter Page limb from limb. If the United States of America failed one person, they failed him most of all. Carter Page would be the one, I think, that really was failed by his nation. I think George Papadopoulos was too. He was destroyed. And I'm ashamed now uh, to tell you that I helped destroy him. He was just a young guy, right? You know, trying to make the most of a big break, working on a national presidential campaign, coming out of nowhere. And he fell into traps that spies from many countries, it looks like. Three countries, maybe four, if you include our own spies. They set, him, they set traps for him overseas, and he fell into them. When he was arrested, I called him Coffee Boy. Yes, I'm not proud of it, but I coined that term Coffee Boy. I did that on CNN. I think I was on with Chris Cuomo when it happened. 
I was trying to spin that his influence on the campaign was marginal and whatever he did to get arrested had nothing to do with the president and I I failed him. I failed George Papadopoulos. I failed the president when I decided to name call instead of wait to get to the bottom of it. Coffee boy. Papadopoulos wasn't a coffee boy. He was a, a policy advisor. I, my description of him was just dishonorable, really. And it added fuel to the fire that he and his wife are, are only now recovering from with his book that came out. I've ordered it. I've read some of the pages so that friends of mine to let me take a look at. Deep State Target. His book came out right as the Mueller investigation closed. He couldn't have planned it any better. And God bless him and Simona, his wife, for that timing. I think God was smiling on him. I hope his book sells well. Our nation owes him a lot. He actually went to jail. He went to jail. And he didn't do anything wrong. He pled guilty to lying, a 1001 charge, as I said. A 1001 charge, lying to the FBI. And here's what they did. I'll just sum it up. So remember, uh, uh, it looks like uh, this Dr. Mifsud was sent to talk to George Papadopoulos about Russians having Hillary's emails. Told him, oh, the Russians have the emails. And and then they sent, I mean, it looks like Western intelligence sent him to, to say that to George. George was asked out to have uh, drinks with the senior most Australian diplomat in London, their ambassador practically, right? And the ambassador said, so do you know anything about Russian emails? Ha ha. And he, he, he insists he never said anything about them, but Downer, Alexander Downer, the Australian diplomat, went back and told American intelligence so that they could open an investigation. So fast forward. George Papadopoulos gets off the airplane, I guess, in Dulles or whatever, you know, somewhere in New York, right, coming back from Europe, and they they absolutely rush him in the airport. They put him in leg irons in the airport. <laughs> That's awful. And they said, Mr. Papadopoulos, when did you tell Mr. Downer about the emails that the Russians had, Hillary Clinton's emails. Was it before you joined the campaign or after you joined the campaign? Honestly, I don't know if it was Downer or Mifsud or whatever. But was it before the campaign or after you joined the campaign? And he said, I thought it was before. And they said, you're busted. You lied. That's a 1,001 charge. You're going to jail. Here's some handcuffs. You lied because we know for a fact that you said it on this day. It was after you joined the campaign, but before it was announced publicly. Now, any attorney, not any, but a good attorney could have said right there and talk, stopped him and said, gentlemen, that is a distinction without a difference. And if you think you're going to hang my client out to dry on that mere uh, date uh, uh, confusion, I've got something for you. But I don't think Papadopoulos even had an attorney with him at that time. They trapped him. He admitted to something that was not a crime. He did not commit a crime. And then he was in the jackpot from there on. Our country failed George and Simona Papadopoulos. But the list goes on and on, you know? I know a travel aide from the campaign. He was good, man. That guy, you could call him. He had his, 
He had the he got you your flights, your hotels, your cars, anything you needed. He was on top of every tiny little detail in that chaotic campaign headquarters in Trump Tower. This fella was subpoenaed for nothing. A junior aide subpoenaed for nothing. Scared to live in daylights out of his family. Others, a house painter, a translator, more people. They didn't even particularly care for candidate Trump. But their lives were dragged through broken glass and razor blades and muck and shit for nothing. For two years, most of the Trump associates involved as witnesses like me have been unable to speak with friends from the campaign. They're everywhere throughout the administration and most of them I figured out, didn't really want to have my name in their call sheet, and I certainly couldn't talk to the president. I didn't want to be asked by Mueller, which they did, and everybody asked this, the House investigators, the Senate investigators, the uh, Mueller people, when was the last time you talked to the president? I responded, Inauguration Day. The next question was not, tell me more about that meeting. <laughs> inauguration Day was a handshake, as they probably knew, and if I hadn't spoken to the president since Inauguration Day, certainly... There was no reason to dig into that, right? But it's not that I didn't want to talk to the president. It's that I didn't want to be in his call sheet. Imagine what kind of trouble they could make if I was talking to the president and he's like, how you doing, Michael? How you doing with these investigators? Bastards. You know, Did Mr. Trump ever ask you about the investigation? Well, yeah, he asked me how I was doing. Oh, you know, witness tampering, right? I didn't even call the president. But, you know, we couldn't talk to my friends, couldn't talk to a lot. Now with the mother, you know, investigation complete, we are all talking again. And the stories of lives that are completely cratered, they're just, you can't, they're just so many stories. So many people have lost their jobs or shed clients or, you know, weren't able to pay for children's tuition so many things happen. And one family I know of, both the husband and their wife lost their jobs because of this investigation for nothing. For nothing. We know now from the from the from the uh, Mueller investigation, it was nothing. <sighs> Today with the special counsel conclusion clearing the campaign and all of us of our these outrageous allegations, outrageous allegations. I think we're all celebrating in some way. We're all still getting death threats, but we're all relieved in some way. I survived the Mueller investigation and, and all I got was this lousy t-shirt, right? Just like the gift I got at my birthday party. I sure got a lot of laughs that night, got a lot of laughs online, pissed a lot of people off too on Twitter thankfully. <laughs> but I sat there at my birthday party on Saturday night and I said to myself, I had to wonder, self, if all this destruction is permanent, I'm going to I'm going to have to go get a t-shirt for a lot of different people I know. I don't know where this goes, really. I really don't predict a, a great awakening among Republicans. I think all of us all over the OT original Trumpers who got caught up in this investigation. We're all on our own. 
all of us, all these Trump loyalists, loyalists, people who deeply believe in his America first agenda, who were ready to just throw ourselves on a grenade for him. All of us caught up in this hoax. I don't think it's, I think we're still on our own. But I think like my, I myself and I think a lot of other people in the investigation, we've discovered that we can handle it, you know. The full force of the federal government on your back. Total destruction of your life. Trickling down to hurt so deeply your wife and your children, your friends, your employees that you have to lay off. It's made me stronger, though. And and wiser. Our family's stronger, too. Thank God for my wife. And I'm probably a better person. Still standing. Hey, hey, welcome back. It's Michael Caputo for Still Standing. Remember, you can catch us at stillstandingpodcast.com. That's where you get my audio every week. It's like 40 minutes, a little more sometimes. A video if I'm uh, if I'm in town. I may even do one this week, even though i got to get going to New York tomorrow. I'm going to be on uh, Ari Melber tomorrow night with Carter Page, which is very cool. I've come to really, really like Carter Page. I know people think he's odd, but what else would you think about a guy caught up in this thing who manages to go through the whole thing without attorneys mostly and never once gets jammed up? I think dozens of hours with investigators and never once gets jammed up. I mean, he is, (laughs) he's probably a genius, frankly, you know. I know people think he's goofy or whatever. I've heard the criticism, but he's not, man. He's really bright. I've really enjoyed talking to him now that the Mueller investigation is over. Both of us were living in fear. I think he still does, just like I do. But I want to read a couple of things we got in our mailbag, the still standing mailbag, which you can email us uh, uh, at stillstandingpodcast.com. You can find the mailbag link there still standing podcast.com so this one's from facebook from gary smith on the still standing facebook page i saw you on laura ingram tonight i can't imagine all you your family and the other innocents were put through in this unjust and unconstitutional investigation remember what goes around comes around just a matter of time there will be a reckoning against the evil being done to you Others in the country, God bless you and stay safe. That's from Gary Smith. Gary, I appreciate that. I, I want to believe that. I Like I said a little bit ago, you know, I don't know if there's going to be a great awakening. If there was any justice in this country, any justice on this planet, I would be given the keys to James Comey's house where I could invite all of the original Trumpers, the OTs who were caught up in this, the 50 or so, their wives and husbands and children and grandchildren. I'd buy pretzels and hot dogs and invite them over to Comey's house so we could watch his trial on television together. But I don't know if there is that kind of justice in this world, Gary. But I keep checking for Comey's keys 
We had an email at stillstayingpodcast.com from Doug Soltz. I really enjoy your podcast. I like to hear your side. I've been a fan of yours ever since you came out swinging against your pros- your persecutors. I even contributed a little towards your defense, and this is the only time I continued to uh, the only time I I contributed to GoFundMe. I was listening to your March twenty first podcast just now, and you did a great job. I laughed out loud when you misspoke about the new abortion law. I knew it. It's by no means a funny subject, but you said abortion at the moment of conception. I had a mental image of a medical person standing at the side of the bed waiting for the couple to finish. Ah, I see what you said. Moment of dilation, I said. Uh, and jump into action as soon as the egg is fertilized. <laughs> Doug, I'm sorry. Oh, I didn't even catch that. That's funny. Oh, I need a laugh. That was great. Thanks, Doug. Uh, another one from Greg Mumbach. Good man. Mumbach. That's a name I know well from high school. <laughs> I've enjoyed listening to you on WBEN Radio. That's where I'm on talk radio here in Buffalo, New York. That's what got me interested in checking out your Still Standing podcast site. Just a short note to say thank you for the opportunity to listen to your podcast and watch your videos. I look forward to them every week. Your insights helps me get a better handle on the politics behind what's going on in both the federal and the New York State arena. You're much better at expressing my frustrations than I am. Thank you for your service to our country and all that you've done. I hope that you and your family are able to recover from the mess that you've had to endure and that your business comes back strong as well. I wish you the best and hope to hear good news after you've had a chance to press play again. I'm glad I've been able to help some all way through Patreon.com. Thanks, Greg. I really appreciate your support. <coughs> the Mungbach family, great family in western New York. Really great people. I don't know. Are we going to be able to start again? Hmm. I just don't know. This is the uh, what is the the old the old quotation. I mean, my wife and I we look at each other every night now, and we just don't know what to expect. I have no idea. You know, I have no idea. I, I'm I'm like you know, can I get my my uh, my clients back? Can I get my business back? You know, can I actually do public relations again? I don't know. I have no idea if I can. You know, public relations is about positive uh, news. I had a, uh, a, a client in the hamburger business. I didn't do political PR. I mean, I have a lot of experience at it. But my company, we did consumer-oriented stuff. And I was doing work for this hamburger joint trying to go into a... Uh, into a you know, a, a kind of a chain situation, a really great place. And people found out that I was doing their PR and their advertising and, and the leftists came in and protested, threatened online boycotts. And what am I supposed to say when they say we got to go? I mean, of course they got to go. I tried to tell them, look, these people who are protesting, they don't even eat meat. <laughs> Which one of these vegans is going to drive you out of business? Uh, but... Honestly, I mean, honestly, what can you say to that? I had to let him go. I don't know what's going to happen to me and my family. We have absolutely nothing left of my business. <sighs> nothing. But, you know, uh, I, I'm a person of, of uh, 
resources and means, and I'm trying to create my own opportunities, right? I, I think it's important to create your own opportunities. I don't want to, you know, having to go to GoFundMe to raise money from myself and my children and my wife so that we could pay our our bills, our legal bills, which were over $200,000, you know, that was really humbling. But 8,000 people gave. It was an amazing experience. I felt like I felt like I was falling and I was caught by the entire MAGA nation. <laughs> really? I know that sounds silly, but that's really what I felt. I have no idea what's going to happen to us. Tucker Carlson asked me last night what's going to happen. What are we going to do? I, I'm going to, I'm calling my clients. I want to get back into the to the uh to the swing of things. I want to get back into you know, just doing employing people, you know, paying taxes, making Buffalo money. I don't even want to make New York or Washington. I'm just let me get back to where we were, comfortable, living in our little village, walking my daughter to school across the street, you know, drinking coffee at my favorite spot, going with my wife to the globe for a drink. The things that we used to take for granted. Oh my God. The things that we can do once again. What did Churchill say in Tobruk? Now this is not the end. It is not even the beginning of the end. But it is perhaps the end of the beginning. Welcome to the end of the beginning, right? Waiting for more death threats. Trying to see if what goes around really does come around. <laughs> I guess we'll find out. Once again, it's stillstandingpodcast.com. Go there and sign up. I promise you I'll never bore you. And if I bore you, you can just listen to another podcast. <laughs> but no, I promise I'll work on it. I'll keep you inter interested. I tell stories about my past. I'm working on a book right now. The things I'm trying to do, create opportunities. We all need to create our own opportunities. And we know that if you want a friend in Washington... Buy a dog. <laughs> Catch me next week here on Still Standing. That's stillstandingpodcast.com. <laughs>